This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Aaron Rodgers situation. No relation, by the way, Connor and Aaron. Um, not even spelled the same way. But uh, Connor expects the Aaron Rodgers deal to be uh, settled in advance of the draft so that the Green Bay Packers can use some of the draft capital they will receive from the Jets to improve their team this year. Because, look, couple things, and I know here in New York we care more about the Jets than the Packers, as we should, but Green Bay has a first-round quarterback in Jordan Love who looked okay in the brief time we saw him last year. Um, and the NFC, especially the NFC North, the Packers are still a contender in that division and in the NFC. I mean, look, they were two years removed from being the number one seed in the playoffs the year before that they went to the nfc championship game yes they're moving on from aaron Rodgers, but they still want to be able to improve their team and do so through the draft if you're the jets and you can get rogers for an early second round pick 42 overall um and then conditionally let's say the jets go to the afc championship game this year so next year's pick turns into a first round picks but so would you trade a second round pick this year and a first round pick next year to go to the AFC championship game with Aaron Rodgers? I a hundred percent would do that. That would be totally worth it if you're the Jets. And here's the thing. That's realistic. You know, a lot of times, you know, in the NBA they have these pick swaps and you you have a really good team. And like, let's say that let's use the Nets Rockets James Harden trade a couple of years ago as an example. Um, they they swapped picks as part of the draft compensation for James Harden. The Nets get Harden, the Rockets get players, they get first round picks. And in the years where they don't get first round picks, they have the opportunity to swap first their first round pick with the Nets if the Nets had a higher pick well you're the Houston Rockets you're going to win about 15 games and you just gave up your best player to this other team that's going to win about 50 games what are the chances that they're going to have a better pick than you right so a lot of times these pick swaps or these conditional picks are you know they turn out to be nonsense I, I don't think this is nonsense and I've said this from the very beginning even before Aaron Rodgers' name emerged as the clear choice of the Jets' hierarchy to bring in here, he always seemed like the most sense to me. And the reason was, if you can bring in a guy of that caliber, I don't think a trip to the AFC Championship game is that outlandish to think of. That's how good this Jets team is in every single position outside of quarterback. And would you give up a first-round pick to go to the AFC Championship game? You absolutely would. You know, now is the time to strike. The Jets are in that position where they have a lot of young talent on the defensive side of the ball, uh, wide receivers, um, running back. They have a lot of young talent that is early enough in their career that they're not getting paid a lot of money. So the time to take advantage of that is right now so then you could spend all that money on the quarterback. Because once those guys are up for their second contracts, the Garrett Wilsons, the Sauce Gardeners, the Brees Halls, once you got to pay all of those guys, well, it's hard to pay all those guys 
and pay $60 million for a quarterback. So this is the window. This is the two. It would be great if it was a three-year window where you can really, really get something done. So expect that to be done before the NFL draft. Uh, and then at that point, look, Douglas, it, it, it's funny. He's done such a good job drafting outside of Zach Wilson. It's hard to ignore that. Uh, but he's done such a good job of drafting that the Jets at 13, you know, right there in the middle of that first round, you have a lot of confidence that he's going to um, he's going to make the right move. Now, interestingly, the two picks where he, he hasn't hit on, the other one was was Mackay Becton. And Becton looked pretty good his rookie year. Um, obviously, he's been derailed by injuries the last two seasons, and it's that very position that the Jets would be targeting to try to shore up their offensive line in front of Aaron Rodgers. So uh, NFL draft is the 27th in Kansas City as they continue to move it around uh, year after year after year. And the Jets are also one of those teams now that they have their quarterback that they don't have to worry about picking a quarterback, right? So somebody is probably going to trade up to number three where Arizona is. And Arizona doesn't need a quarterback. Well, they, they might, depending on who you ask, with Kyler Murray in his situation. But they're not picking a quarterback this year. So a team will probably trade with Arizona to get up to number three to pick Anthony Richardson out of Florida. And the beneficiary of that will be the Arizona Cardinals because Richardson is not really a top three pick talent, but because of the position that he plays, um, there are teams that will benefit from that, teams that don't need quarterbacks in this draft. All right, 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe with you till 6.30. We have uh, Rangers pregame against the Blue Jackets coming your way then. A week from tonight, we're into the playoffs for the NBA, the Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are in the playoffs as well as the number six seed. They locked that up last night. It'll be the Nets and the 76ers. It'll be the Knicks and the Cavs. Two interesting first-round matchups. The Nets-76ers thing, and I'll spend a minute or two on the Brooklyn Nets here, because what they've done has been really impressive. Um, there was a game at Madison Square Garden about a month and a half ago, and it was shortly after Irving and Durant were both traded. And the Nets came into the Garden, and they just looked like an absolutely dead team. And the Knicks put up 80 points on them in the first half and the game was a complete no contest and it just seemed like a dead team walking at the time and they have regrouped incredibly well since then and the job that Jock Vaughn their head coach who before COVID was the interim head coach and he coached them in the bubble and then that offseason they hired Steve Nash with absolutely no coaching experience and that was a disaster and Vaughn stayed on the staff, and when they fired Nash at the request of Kevin Durant at the beginning of this season, Vaughn became the interim head coach. He still had Durant. He still had Irving. The Nets went on that 18-2 and run, and then Vaughn became the permanent head coach again. And then they traded Irving, and then they traded Durant, and then they went in the tank for a little while, and then Jacques Vaughn figured out how to play with the guys that he has on this team. And I'll give credit to a guy who I haven't given a ton of credit to through the years because he has made some really, really questionable decisions. But for Sean Marks to come out of this deal 
where he's got two all-star players, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and they both within the same week request a trade and essentially ending this whole three-year odyssey um, that the Brooklyn Nets were on ever since those two players in the summer of 2019 decided to join forces and come to Brooklyn. When Irving requests the trade and then they make it, and then about 48 hours later, Durant requests the trade and they make that, all of a sudden it's you, you look around and it felt like there were just kind of like ashes and rubble from a natural disaster of what had been over the previous three years. The question is, like, where do you go from here? If you're a franchise like the Brooklyn Nets, you know, you're not the Lakers. You're not the Heat. You're not the New York Knicks. And I know the Knicks haven't had a lot of success in the free agent market, although they did last offseason, but they're still one of the marquee franchises in the NBA. You're not the Chicago Bulls. You're not the Phoenix Suns. You're the Brooklyn Nets, okay? So you hit the lottery in 2019 by somehow convincing Durant and Irving to come here together. Now, the somehow is not that unclear if you follow the trail. Durant wanted to play with Irving. Irving wanted to play in Brooklyn. He wanted to play close to home. The Nets at that point were further along than the Knicks. The Nets had just gone to the playoffs and won 42 games. The Knicks were coming off a 17-win season and picking near the top of the draft. Irving wanted to come home either way. He didn't have an allegiance to either franchise. He doesn't have an allegiance to anyone but himself, as we now know. And Durant, as great a player as he is, is unfortunately not very strong-minded, and his entire career has been a follower. He's never been able to get it done as the number one guy. Individual accomplishments, sure. You know, he won the MVP early in his career with Oklahoma City, but he wasn't able to get them over the hump and into the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors in 2016, even when they had a three games to one lead. Durant came up very small in the second half of games six and seven as Golden State won that series and went to the Finals. And then Durant finally had to leave Oklahoma City and hitch his wagon to Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green's collective star. And he played beautiful basketball during his first two years and really all three years in Golden State up until his injury in the NBA Finals in Toronto. But he doesn't win those championships unless he joins a championship team. And then he wanted to do it on his own, and it was a disaster. It was a complete disaster. You know, the first year he was out, uh, the second year was very, very close. He played terrific in that second-round series against Milwaukee, and I'm convinced that if Kyrie Irving doesn't sprain his ankle in Game 4 of that series, then the Nets win that series, and they probably go on to win the NBA championship. But guess what? That was in 2021. Here we are in 2023. It didn't happen. The following year was a disgrace as Durant and Irving were swept out of the first round of the playoffs after having to get into the playoffs through the play-in tournament. And then this year, before the season even begins, he requests a trade, and then he requests or demands that the general manager get fired and the head coach get fired, and ultimately the head coach did get fired. And then he still wanted a trade because once Kyrie Irving was out, Durant knows historically he can't do it by himself. You know how he knows that? Because he's never done it by himself. 
So once Irving was out the door, Durant, being the follower that he has been his entire career, wanted out as well. And it was literally like a gun-to-the-head moment for Sean Marks. And to come out of that with four-fifths of your starting lineup now that has figured out how to play together with Dinwiddie and Cam Johnson and especially Mikael Bridges and the revelation that he has been and Dorian Finney-Smith and teaming them with Nick Claxton, a gem who he drafted early in the second round. Um, it was such a bleak situation leading up to the trade deadline in February. And for Sean Marks to have this be the result of what came out of that by the way what i haven't mentioned is the treasure trove of draft capital that brooklyn has coming to it especially from the phoenix suns in the durant trade i mean it really is remarkable now i'm not sitting here and pitching sean marks for executive of the year because you have to follow the entire path i mean they had something going with irving and durant and i think he got a little bit greedy by bringing in james harden and giving up so much for Harden early in the first season with Irving and Durant. And then when Harden, a year later, wanted out of town, as is his want late in his career, to try to spin him off and turn him into Ben Simmons was a complete, complete miscalculation on the part of the Nets general manager. And then the other part of that was after sitting out an entire season, when Durant was recovering from his Achilles surgery and Kyrie Irving, as has been his want throughout his career, didn't really want to play during the bubble season of 2020, you finally got them together for the first time leading into the 2020-2021 season. And who do you hire as your head coach? You hire a guy with absolutely no coaching experience in Steve Nash. And he just wasn't equipped to get them to the level that was needed. So... For all of the good that Sean Marks has done from the point of Kyrie Irving requesting that trade in February to right now is very commendable. But you can't overlook all the missteps that went into getting the Brooklyn Nets to this point. All right, 1-800-919-3776. We'll take a quick break. More of your calls. Check in on the afternoon baseball action as they're underway at City Field between the Mets and the Marlins. It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Uh, Brooklyn's record with one game remaining in the regular season, 45-36. and 36, So they avoid the play-in tournament, which they were unable to do last year. And again, credit to them because in the weeks right after the trade deadline, when Dinwiddie and Bridges and Finney Smith and Johnson and all the new acquisitions are getting used to playing with each other, uh, it looked like they might not only fall out of the playoffs, but out of the play-in tournament entirely. I mean, what they've done is very difficult. They replaced four-fifths of their starting lineup after the All-Star break. Other than Nick Claxton, the other four starters that they're going to the postseason with were all acquired either in the Durant or the Kyrie Irving trade. So they'll take on the 76ers in the first round. Knicks, meanwhile, uh, last night, lose to New Orleans, 113-105. Brunson didn't play. Randall didn't play. Mitchell Robinson didn't play. He was resting. Randall, of course, still has the sprained ankle. Brunson is trying to get his right hand which was recently sprained 100 uh, percent healthy or as close to that as possible 
before the playoffs. R.J. Barrett came back. It was a mixed bag for R.J. He scored 28 points, which led the team. Uh, He was 11 for 16 shooting on two-point attempts, and he was 0 for 9 on three-point attempts. And we've seen that kind of stat line on several occasions throughout this season. But Barrett back after he had missed the previous two games with an illness. Here's Barrett on how he felt out there last night. I felt good to get out there and just, you know, play again, especially after a couple games. So, yeah, definitely needed it. So did Tom Thibodeau see what he was looking for from R.J. last night? Yeah, you know, I think it's important for him to get some rhythm. And that's what, you know, that's what you wrestle with is the rest versus rhythm. And he's missed a lot of time. And so he's been out, you know, Jalen's been out a lot. And, of course, Julius be out a lot. So, um, but, you know, he got out there, you know, overall did a good, solid job. Uh, we battled some foul trouble early. So, uh, but it's, it was a good opportunity for, for some other guys to get some, some good, uh, valuable time. So the Knicks and Nets both wrap up their regular seasons tomorrow. All 30 NBA teams play tomorrow. Uh, Brooklyn hosts Philadelphia at one, and that will set up quite the interesting chess match between the head coaches because then those two teams are going to turn around and face each other in the first round of the playoffs starting next weekend. The Knicks host the Pacers at one o'clock tomorrow at Madison Square Garden. You can hear that right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. I'll have pregame coverage for you starting at 12.30 for the regular season finale. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones and bring in Luis, who's in the car. Luis, how you doing today? How you doing, Pat? Um, this is my actually hearing your show on the weekend, but I'm a guy that every time I go to work in the morning, I'm listening to the morning show. I listen to the afternoon show with Michael Kay and these guys. And, and what I've noticed is ever since Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant left the net, every race host has seen butthurt about these guys. Like, you can't stop talking about girlfriend that sees their boyfriend on Facebook talking about his, his girlfriend is fat now. I just want you guys to concentrate on the team. The Knicks is doing good. They're in the playoffs. The Nets is in the playoffs. Let's concentrate on that. We don't got to talk about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving no more. And you said something about Kevin Durant hitching his wagon to go to state. Even Brian Winhurst said himself, if Kevin Durant wasn't on that team, they would not have beaten Cleveland. They would have lost. So Kevin Durant was really – it ain't like he's just some guy that just joins the team and then he just hides. He is the catalyst when he comes to the team. That, that's what it basically is. That's basically what it is. But I, I just want everybody to stop talking about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant like like y'all so hurt over it. The Nets are in the playoffs and the Knicks are in the playoffs. They're not affecting your guys' universe no more, so why are we talking about them every time? Yeah, well, here's why. Let me explain, Luis. You don't think it's relevant. You have two all-star level players in Durant and Irving, and within a week, literally within 48 hours, they request trades from the organization. The organization trades them both, and yet with the pieces they brought back – they still managed to find their way into the playoffs. I think that's a pretty impressive feat from Brooklyn. So that's the context in which I use I the names. I don't think to be talking about Kevin Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant anymore, though. That's my. If you want to talk about the Nets and the players that's on the Nets right now, that's fine. But, what, but how did the players, the players who were on the Nets, how did they get here? And this is what I'm saying. Let's see what I'm saying, Pat. You got guys worrying about what Dallas Mavericks record is and if they're making the playoffs or not. And we're in New York. Why do we care about that? Because you're worried about what Kyrie Irving is doing. Well, no, 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 no. You're worried about the Dallas Mavericks record because the draft pick that could be 11th in the draft and go to the Knicks is tied to the Dallas Mavericks record. 
the people who say, oh, the Dallas Mavericks are not going to make the playoffs, ha-ha, they're laughing about it because they're like, oh, because Kyrie Irving is with them. They're laughing about it. Like, they, they had to the Dallas Mavericks are not going to make the playoffs. Well, first of all, you're saying they. I can't speak for other hosts and what their opinion is, but I will say this, and Luis, I don't think it's a great connection. I'll let you go. I will say this. Uh, I don't think it's that far-fetched to take delight in the failure of Kyrie Irving. I don't. Kyrie Irving, and I've said this before, and this may upset our previous caller because apparently he doesn't want me mentioning his name um, because I'm going to maybe get some kind of hurt over it. I won't say the first word that he used. Good Catholic boy here on Easter weekend. But uh, I don't like Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving's a jerk. I think he's selfish. I think he's a bad teammate. I don't think he's a great guy. So when he goes somewhere... And it's a colossal disaster and a failure. I don't think it's unreasonable for people, whether they're hosts on this station or Knicks fans or Nets fans or whoever. I don't think it's unreasonable to take delight in his failures. And sorry if you don't agree with that take. But the point I'm making is this. It's impressive what the Nets have done, this pivot from Irving demands a trade and 48 hours later, he's gone. And then Durant looking around and look, Durant was already on record earlier in the season saying that, you know, the likes of Nick Claxton and Royce O'Neal, those guys weren't good enough to be in the starting five with him. So, of course, once Irving is gone, Durant, you know, who never was known for his stick to wanted out as well. And he found his way to a better basketball situation. And the Brian Windhorse thing, I mean, all right, so Brian Windhorse says that the, uh, that the Warriors would not have won those championships without Durant. I, I respectfully disagree. I would imagine that if you go through the checklist of things in life, there might be one or two items in which Brian Windhorst and I don't see eye to eye, and that just happens to be one of them. 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. And Mets leading one nothing. They're in the top of the second. Mets against the Marlins. Mets are going to be real sad when they don't have the Marlins on their schedule every other weekend. Yankees in Baltimore tonight to take on the Orioles. Johnny Brito, who was as good as you could be in his Major League debut last Sunday, pitching five shutout innings against the Giants. He opposes Cole Irvin of the Orioles. First pitch there at 7.05 in Baltimore. Yanks have won each of their first two series of the season. This is their first one against an American League opponent in this new world of Major League Baseball when you play every single team in at least one series throughout the course of the regular season. 1-800-919-3776. Got a few people wanting to react to our basketball conversation. Let's go to Eli in Washingtonville. Eli, how you doing today? Hey, Pat. What's going on? What's up, man? Uh, listen, when it comes to, to KD, this guy just built different. Uh, so, it, it, when it comes to the era of the LeBron and um, building teams, these 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 players and when they when they try to build their legacy, like they're going at it the wrong way. Like KD, he might be the greatest 
one of the greatest basketball players that we have ever seen. Like, we've never seen a guy with that height, with that scoring ability, as agile, has every tool to be one of the greats. Now, when well, he, he is one of the greats. I don't think – I think it goes beyond having the tools. He is one of the greats. Yeah, but like I said, when he went to Golden State, slap LeBron in the mouth. LeBron built a super team, and he went there, and he said, you know what? I'm going to get my rings. And he got his rings, and he, look, two MVPs can't deny. And the guy, he put most of the team on his back, and if I think he didn't get his Achilles heel, that would have been the – the, the, the first three peaks since, since the, the Bulls. I, I agree mean, with um, that. Kobe Bryant. But, listen, he his disaster was when he came to the Nets. Now, if you're an, a, a great basketball player like he is, you don't take back seats. You don't tell you – don't, you don't take advice from a guy to go to another team that's a less of a player than you. This guy was – he couldn't – look, I'm not a Knicks fan. But if this guy would have came to the Knicks and with a couple of pieces brought a title to New York or went to an uh, – like another team that where he was the alpha male player, like the dominant player, and had around him, this guy's legacy would have been tenfold great, greater. So that's why I don't, I don't understand – like the people that give him advice, or, or I'm telling you, I, I was a big fan of KD. But this, when he what he did to the Nets, the Nets gave him money when he was injured. The, the Nets bent over backwards for this. And for you to demand a trade just because Irie Irvin, a mental case that over and over let you down, not, the, just, not just the team, let you down. He cost you championships. Where he left, he had a fight. It was an injury, but he, well, against Milwaukee, you did everything practically by yourself, and still almost won the championship, and was a toe away from 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 beating the other Milwaukee Bucks by himself. So, you have Eli, to I agree. I agree. It's just him coming to the Nets was was his his downfall. It was one of several, and thanks for the call, Eli. It it, it was one of several. Um, it was a disaster. When you look at his entire Nets tenure, it was a disaster. And wouldn't it be ironic? I mean, look, the Western Conference is its a crapshoot. You know, can Phoenix get to the finals and win an NBA championship? Sure. But, you know, Chris Paul has never won an NBA championship. That's not by accidents. You know, he is a guy who hasn't been able to get his team to the finish line. Kevin Durant, other than the two years in Golden State, hasn't been able to bring his own team to the championship. They've hardly played with each other when you add in Devin Booker and you add in DeAndre Ayton. Could they win the championship? Sure. But there's a very, very good chance they're not going to. And then you look at what the Nets got out of this with the future first-round draft picks. And look, they're, Phoenix isn't going to be good forever. This is a small window in time. Chris Paul's old. Kevin Durant is aging and is injury prone. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, six months ago, was unhappy. How long is this blissfulness going to last, okay? Durant, here, here's the, the two things that Kevin Durant 
has done in his career where, to me, he stood tallest. Um, number one, the 2019 playoffs and 2019 finals. Early rounds of those playoffs before he hurt the Achilles, he was the best player in the NBA. He was unstoppable as he was leading Golden State to what they hoped would be a third consecutive NBA championship. And then he injures his calf. He misses the rest of the second round. He misses the entire conference finals. They still get to the NBA finals, and he comes back in that game four, and he was unbelievable in the first quarter and a half. And then he shoots the jump shot, and then he goes down, and his season was over. And he limped off. And to me, I don't think he ever stood taller than he did trying to get back onto the court in that situation for his team and for his teammates. That was number one. A close second for me is the one playoff run in Brooklyn when they did make it to the second round. You know, it's easy to remember now Giannis's 50-point game in Game 6 of the Finals in 2021 and the Bucks winning the final four games after falling behind two games to nothing. And yeah, that will go down in history as his crowning achievement. But remember back to the beginning of that second round series. The Nets had home court advantage. Games one and two were at Barclays Center. They blew out the Bucks in game one. And that was with James Harden injuring his hamstring in the first minute of the game. Harden goes out. Milwaukee builds an early double-digit lead, and then the Nets figured out, without Harden, how to play with just Durant and Irving and whoever else they had. They end up winning that first game comfortably. The second game at Barclays Center, at one point in the third quarter, the Nets were up by 50. They were up by 50 points. They won the game handily. Again, they were playing without Harden. They had Durant. They had Irving. You know, Joe Harris, the rest of the role players. They took a 50-point lead on the Bucks. They ran them out of their building, the Nets building. And then in game four, after the Nets had dropped a frustrating game three, in game four, it's a close game. Irving lands on Giannis's foot, sprains his ankle, and now it's just Durant without Harden and without Irving. And now Harden came back more as like a decoy, than anything else. He had no explosiveness in games five, six, and seven. But Durant almost single-handedly, and it was single-handedly, Durant almost single-handedly beat the eventual NBA champs with the guy who we all consider right now the best player in the NBA. He almost beat them by himself in a playoff series. And like Eli pointed out, and like we all know, he was one toe away. I was there that night. Game seven, I was on the far end of the court from where Durant was shooting. So he had his back to where I was sitting. I saw the play. I saw the spin. I saw the ball go in. I thought the game was over. I thought he had won the series on one of the great shots in NBA history until it became clear that his toe was on the line and that they had to go to overtime, and the Nets lost that game in overtime. But those are the two most impressive um, feats, in my mind, in Kevin Durant's career. And neither one of them involves winning a championship you know 2019 he valiantly tries to come back and join his teammates in the finals against Toronto only to blow out his Achilles in the first half of that game they didn't win that series I think they would have had he not gotten injured and then in 2021 without Harden without Irving 
still almost knocking off the Bucks. He was incredible in that series. All right, we'll get some more of your reaction on this. 1-800-919-3776. We'll bring in Tommy Beer to talk more about the NBA at the top of the 5 o'clock hour here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. It's very close. This pitch clock has really, really changed things up for me. Uh, that's my way of saying that the Mets-Marlins game is rolling along at City Field. Mets up one nothing with two outs already in the top of the third inning. Feels like they just started this game. Right, let's go back to the phones. Let's check in with Spike and St. Pete. Spike, what's going on? Well, happy Easter to you and your family. And uh, you have one child yet or two? I have two children, and thank you, Spike. You too. Yeah, thank you. Much, much appreciated. Uh, what, the other one, a girl or boy? I have a girl and a boy. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's good. Good. And the difference in age? Two years. Okay. Okay. So you have a noisy kitchen table. We <laughs> okay. get the picture. Okay. So let me be brief here. You know the Knicks. You know you, you do a lot of stuff there, and um, I do think they'll beat the Cavs. Is my logic from an old guy who's seen a lot of basketball? Uh, I think they have to win in six. Uh, it's it's pretty common logic. About seventy eight percent of the seventh games on the road, the home team on the road for the Knicks case uh, wins. And uh, even the propensity of the best player to shine brightly with few exceptions, very few, uh, you know, takes on a new meaning in game sevens. We've all seen it. You know, a couple of exceptions here and there. Yeah. Uh, now, so so uh, the matchups are good. The Knicks, I guess, uh, Cleveland, as of a couple of days ago, is first or second total defense. The the Knicks have won a lot of their games this year, and you've probably seen every dribble of every game. And I'm I'm willing to bet that uh, the Knicks have out rebounded almost all their opponents by a hefty margin. They kept their probably top five in turnovers, meaning the fewest. Uh, some of the reason on the rebounding is missed shots. Their three point defense has increased. Uh, you you got two guys that are fairly similar players if you take out the offensive propensity to you know look for scoring. Josh Hart doesn't he takes what they give you. Let's look at that layup he knocked the guy in his ass the other day. But he he, he plays the game perfectly. If you don't like Josh Hart, you don't like sports. You I really agree. don't. Just a beautiful player. He has a nose for the ball. Quentin Grimes is a very, very uh, upscale defender, 22, I guess he is. He has old similarities to Josh Hart. Again, he's more offensive-minded. He's younger. Josh Hart has always been involved in trades for really good players. So that's the core of the defense. Mitchell Robinson uh, wasn't the biggest fan, but he's won me over. Great rim protector. We're gonna, we're gonna, if we wash on the, on the boards, I'm happy because Cleveland's a great, and they're bigger, and they're a great rebounding team also. So it comes down to Levert, uh, um, uh, Garland. <clears throat> I'm so old, I saw his father play. And, um, and uh, Donovan Mitchell. And, uh, you know, you know how I feel about Julius Randle. Uh, terrific season. Great numbers. Big, uh, big drop-off in the last three minutes of the game. You know, some players just don't have that clutch gene. And the game looks prettier without him, but I'm pretty sure you need him. So if we use him as a bit of a decoy, I think it's going to be a great series, Pat. I just do. I'm biased, but I also see what I see. These two teams are much closer. The three or four games Cleveland finishes ahead of them, to me, that's uh, we can overcome that. You share my sentiment? I do, uh, Spike, and thanks for the call. I'm not prepared to sit here and say that the Knicks will win this series because there's a very clear 
path for the Cavs to win this series. They have the best offensive player in the series in Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think they have the better starting lineup. They have four really high-level players in their starting lineup who either have already been or at some point in their careers will be all-stars. But then if you go beyond those top four players, I think the Knicks have the advantage uh, in the depth. And Josh Hart and Quinton Grimes and Isaiah Hartenstein are big reasons for that. Um, Look, Randall, and and this is all assuming that Randall is A, playing, and B, at close to 100%, which is also still a great unknown here one week before the series begins. But I also think that it's going to be a terrific series, Um, even beyond the Mitchell storyline, which is a storyline. Look, he's from New York. The Knicks wanted him. He wanted to come here. The trade didn't happen all season long. That storyline has been hanging over the Knicks. Uh, What would you be if you were able to pull off the trade? There's going to be a spotlight on R.J. Barrett because he was the biggest name in the proposed trades that the Knicks did not want to part with for Donovan Mitchell. So it's time for R.J., in many people's opinions, to prove that he was worth that decision, and he'll have the opportunity to do so next week when the playoffs begin. Let's go to Scott, New Jersey. Scott, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, I just want to say I'm a lifelong Knicks fan. Had season tickets myself for over 30 years. Don't have them anymore, but I still watch every game. And I just want to say that I think Kyrie Irving is nothing more than the disease on every team he plays for. And more or less, if he was on the contract with Dallas right now and Mark Cuban called, uh, the Knicks and offered him straight up for Jalen Brunson. I would not take that deal. That's how much I cannot oh, I wouldn't stand either. Kyrie Irving. I think he's just a problem everywhere he goes. I think Luka Doncic is probably miserable right now and probably praying that they don't re-sign him. Well, Luka Doncic seems like you know a miserable guy in his own right. And how much of that is Kyrie yeah. and how much of that is Luka? I'm not sure. Yeah, but I completely not, agree, Scott. I'm not a Luka Doncic fan either. I think he's, you know, I think he's a chucker, to be honest with you. You know, yeah, kind of like, kind of like Trey Young. You know, he just comes down and shoots these ridiculous shots. And you know, I wouldn't want him on the Knicks either, to be honest with you. But um, Kyrie, it's just every team he goes to, he's a problem. You know, I agree. I, just, I agree. Now, Scott. The, now the Lakers, he's probably going to end up with LeBron in LA, and I hope that bombs too. Well, thanks for the call. Um, he's not going to have a ton of options because you can only wear out. Uh, so many welcomes in your career and he's also getting on in age but here's the one thing about Kyrie and he's a complicated guy always has been and the Kyrie legacy and the Kyrie narrative is also complicated and the reason is I share the sentiments of that last caller I wouldn't want him on my team I wouldn't want him anywhere near my team I think at this point, after what we've just watched this entire season, saying you wouldn't trade Jalen Brunson for Kyrie Irving, that's not even a hot take anymore. That's just fact. I don't know anybody who would trade Jalen Brunson for Kyrie Irving. But here's the one thing about Kyrie Irving that you can't take away from the guy. He hit one of the most important shots in the history of the NBA Finals. And whatever else you say about Kyrie Irving, and there's plenty to say, and there's plenty of negative to say about him but you can't take that away from him. You can't say about Kyrie Irving, you'll never win with him on your team because he was the second best player on an NBA championship team, and it was about more than just that one shot. 
because he played brilliantly in games five, six, and seven after the Cavs fell behind three games to one. But from that point forward, whether it was in Boston, whether it was in Brooklyn, um, now in Dallas, what a disaster that has been. And we'll talk about that in the next hour. We'll also talk about it with Tommy Beer at the top of the hour. It's been a disaster. But you can't take that one championship away from him, unfortunately. <laughs> Let's go to Alex in Rockland. Alex, how are we doing? Hi, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. What's on your mind? All right, so I was watching this Bucks versus Milwaukee game. Sorry, yeah, Milwaukee versus the Grizzlies last night. Right. And, you know, I was watching the first half. Of it, it was pretty close, pretty contentious. You know, a little bit of a surprise to people. But then as soon as you got to that third quarter, it was, a, you know, a 23 to nothing run. Yes. And I'm watching this, and I'm looking on the sidelines, and I'm seeing Chris Middleton, and I'm seeing him laughing and, like, you know, being all jovial. And it's like, you know, there's like, maybe I'm getting older, but like, it's like, it's like, it's like no one's angry anymore. It's like, no one's like, like devastated, like upset. Like, I, yeah, it, the game doesn't mean anything to you guys. Like, you just like, on principle, like, don't you want to win? Like, why, why are you, why, like, why are you smiling? Well, you know? a couple things, Alex. Thanks for the call. The game meant nothing to Milwaukee. Um, they have the number one seed in the Eastern Conference wrapped up. Memphis needed the game to lock up the number two seed in the Western Conference. I do agree that a player, even if he wasn't playing and Middleton wasn't playing, Giannis wasn't playing, Drew Holiday wasn't playing, Brooke Lopez wasn't playing, they gave the game away. You know, even with that, I do think it's a bad look to sit on the bench and laugh when your team is playing and losing. I didn't see it, but I'll take the caller's word for it. But the game meant nothing to Milwaukee. I'm not going to – look, they have the most competitive guy in the NBA on their team in Giannis. And when the games matter again, starting next weekend, when the playoffs begin, they won't be laughing, win or lose. We'll talk to Tommy Beer about the Knicks and the Nets and their playoff prospects when we come back on 98.7 ESPN New York.